these days everyone's wearing masks right. and everyone's getting mask knee. That's the new term. Oh, um, they're breaking that's out the first I've heard their that. jawline. They're breaking on their chin. They're breaking out like on their cheeks. It's like prolific right now. Essentially, wow. we have so many patients complaining of it. There's a lot of people talking about it. Dr. Omar Qutub is a board certified dermatologist based in Portland, Oregon. Not only can he help you with your mask knee, he can also help you with many other things. His practice, Dermatology by Design, is based in Portland, Oregon. He came on to talk about practical skincare. I'm talking really bare bones, basic stuff, because it turns out that I know nothing. But he also offers some tips to level up if you're already someone who knows how to take care of their skin. So let's get to Dr. Q-Tub. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, thank you for thank having me. so much. This is the self-care mission where we're bring, I'm bringing on uh, other experts to talk about things that I know nothing about. And I can't even tell you how little I know about proper skincare. It's embarrassing. So <laughs> <laughs> you, you're gonna help me and I think you're gonna help a lot of other people. So um, we, I've already sort of introed uh, where you work with, you work in the same city as me, Portland, Oregon. But um, what I don't know from your bio is why skin? What led you that direction? Well, you know, actually, you figure these things out um, over time, whether it's an undergrad or in medical school. For me, I just happened to work with a dermatologist when I was in my undergrad experience at the University of Oregon. And uh, I just found that the specialty seemed a little bit more dynamic than some of the other things I was kind of rotating around with and doing some preceptorships on. Um, and so it kind of stuck with me in the back of my head for the few years before med school. And when I finally got to med school, um, I was lucky enough to be connected with the head of the dermatology program um, at my university. And it was kind of like uh, a perfect match, essentially. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So, okay, so, so you can answer this in regards to skin. I'm assuming your personal skincare is like pristine. I think yeah? so. I mean, yeah. I, I think that um, <laughs> some days you get lazy, everybody gets lazy, but yeah. generally uh, you're not gonna find a lot of dermatologists who are not a bit, um, you know, uh, uh, specific about how they, you know, manage their skin in the morning and the evening. <laughs> yeah, for sure. A morning and evening. Oh yeah, man, of course. I'm, I'm like, Twice I, got, a day. <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing. Okay. So, but beyond skin, like how do you show up for yourself? What are the things you do? Just if I know uh, this is called the self-care mission, cause I don't know what else to call it, but self-care has kind of become a co-opted term in a lot of ways, but sure. how do you show up for yourself? How do you, you stay healthy just in general? Yeah, for me, I mean, it, it's basically, um, you know, as a physician, you have such a specific schedule. You're really running on, you know, a full day of taking care of patients, mm -hmm. talking about patients' concerns, managing patient concerns, managing a staff, in my opinion, as or in my experience as a uh, clinic owner, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes you just have to make sure you plan out time of the day that's really for you. And for me, it's after work hours. Essentially, I'm not... I'm not, not a morning person, but I'm a better afternoon person. Mm. So I like to do my full day of work, focus on my patients, and right after work's done, just to kind of disconnect from the long day and the kind of endless cases that might be sitting in your brain and, you know, running in circles, I end up, you know, usually going on a run or going to the gym, um, like clockwork. Um, mm. So I can kind of, you know, move on to the next phase of the evening, which is like, yeah, I have a life too, and I have to take care of myself as well, both mentally, physically, and emotionally. Oh, that's awesome. Seemed like you got that dialed in pretty good. Yeah, I think yeah. 
So, but has it always been that way? Even like in medical school and stuff, were you were you always able to show up consistently for yourself? Is that something that just came naturally? Yeah, I think that it was, you know, there were habits that you build when you're really young and things you watch from friends and your family members as well. For me, I think um, working out particularly um, was kind of an escape as a pretty academic high school student. You know, I was extremely involved in school, um, but I always needed that time away, even though I might be slightly extroverted. I still needed that time where I was alone and had some thoughts in my head um, where I wasn't disturbed and didn't have any interruptions. So that kind of became a habit, I think, in high school into college and really, I think, um, became just like absolutely necessary when I was realizing that the academic you know, expectations are so high going, you know, as a pre-med yeah. student into college. Um, and you kind of need that break from both the social scene and the academic scene. So you can kind of, I think, recalibrate essentially. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good. Sounds like you really figured it out early how to like build habits and like, I like to think follow so. through. <laughs> Try. I mean, I, from, from like the feedback I get and I mean, and I know from my own personal life, that's not a small feat. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's challenging. Yeah. I will say that med school was the most, you know, extreme challenge. I mean, frankly, you're in lecture and then before you know it, you got to study, you know, constantly after hours to keep up with the kind of rigorous academic expectation, you know, yeah. in med school and keeping up and staying ahead of everybody doing well to get into the residency or training program you want to get into. And for me, um, it was more challenging in my first year of med school, of course, but I, you know, you make some friends that are kind of similar to you and you kind of say, hey, we're going to study together. We're going to work out together. Mm. And I had a, a good buddy in med school. Um, and he and I made some time together to make sure we took out, you know, um, a few minutes a day to be kind of, you know, uh, separate from our academics. Yeah. Which is nice. That's smart. Yeah. So how have you been able to extend that experience with being so consistent with yourself and communicate it in a way to your patients? I get what I'm looking for is, how do you get your patients, in your case, for their skin to yeah. show up for themselves? Well, I think it's challenging because a lot of patients come in with, you know, um, different kinds of complicated skin disorders, essentially. Mm -hmm. Some of them are more straightforward or more common. Some of them are extremely rare and unusual, quote unquote. Um, so I think the important thing is when it comes to even if it's a disease process or if it's just maintenance and prevention, you know, particularly mm -hmm. pre preventing yourself from getting damage and skin cancers and things of that sort. Um, it takes a little education. And particularly, I think, um, for patients who spend a lot of time on the internet, it gets muddled. They have a lot of information, almost too much information. So you kind of mm -hmm. have to streamline that for them. And it's challenging. But it's one of the reasons why I went into private practice, frankly, because a lot of patients get about a minute or two with their physician. They spend yeah. more time with the ancillary staff. And they don't really get a lot of education. And even though I was told in many, you know, different positions um, in the past, you know, yeah, you know, numbers are important and getting patients in and out are, you know, it's important. And sure, it's important because we want to see people get more people seen on a daily basis. I found that it was just more valuable for me as a practitioner and also as um, I think for the patient to spend more time talking about why showing up for themselves and taking time out for their skincare regimen, treating their treat their dis disorder was actually going to be need to be a priority. Yeah, that's smart. And do you do you get frustrated when they they come back and they still aren't doing the things and are you just you know it happens yeah I mean the classic example is a teenager with acne I mean they they just aren't going to do their medications maybe every single night or yeah. or they find it irritating so they stop really abruptly so you have to kind of really educate them up front and then yeah. follow up consistently with them and I mean I find that um, just every minute 
extra I spend with the patient in the clinic room, kind of a, kind of teaching them about their condition, giving them some like solid information that isn't going to be erroneous, like what you find online, um, kind of the more success I have with my patients overall. So outside of of very specific skin conditions or things that that come in from time to time, I suppose. What's a what's a good cadence like? When sh- how often should someone see a dermatologist? I, and, and I'm guessing this is different at different stages of your life. Sure. Yeah. Sure. 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 So, I mean, it really depends because there's no recommendation officially that you know at age X you go see a dermatologist. Yeah. You know, if you haven't seen one, then it's probably a bad thing. But you know, I always tell patients, you know, it's important to have a good primary care doctor, which a lot of people don't anymore, which is kind of crazy. They have no idea what's going on with their health. They just pop in to see specialists here and there and mm-hmm. deal with issues after they fall apart. Um, but I do, you know, implore everyone listening and every patient that I see to see a good primary care doctor to have their overall health kind of maintained and checked up, you know, frequently mm-hmm. someone who actually kind of knows you and your body. Um, but seeing a specialist is obviously important for some patients as well. And in dermatology, you know, there's no magic age, like I said before, but I do think that as an adult into your 20s and 30s, um, especially patients who are higher risk, fair skin types, um, people who have, a, who have a lot of moles or gross on their skin, um, those are the patients that need to get kind of the classic checkup with the dermatologist. And when you see that dermatologist for the first time, you might find out, yeah, I'm the kind of patient who has to come in every year for checkups. Okay. But that's not, you know, across the board. So it's a little bit oh. tricky. Year. Yeah, I thought you were going to say like, oh, at least once a year, like an like a like an annual eye exam or something. But it's yeah. not not quite. It's not completely. Um, you know, the the Academy of Dermatology and you know the American Cancer Society doesn't have any blanket recommendations like that. I mean, granted, I think there've been proposals and ideas about yeah, people should get in. There's just not enough dermatologists in the world to see everybody every year. Frankly, oh, wow. um, it's not really. I think terribly realistic. Yeah. However, I do think that um, you know, when you have a good primary care, of course, they can refer you as needed when there's a concern on the skin. Uh, but if you're you're an average patient who's never seen a dermatologist, you're you know hanging out in your 20s or 30s and you're like, I got some moles, I'd say, hey, if you have an insurance plan, you might as well utilize it and see a dermatologist at least to get a baseline. Yeah. And it doesn't hurt to then be told, you know, listen, you are a high risk patient for X, Y, or Z reason. You've had a lot of bad severe sunburns. You have a family history of skin cancer, and then you should probably go in. Yeah. But if you, yeah, I think if you're in your 30s and you've never seen a dermatologist and you know you have some risk factors, then I do think you should probably pop in at least once in a while, get a checkup, find out where you are at baseline, and then go from there. So uh, this speaks directly to me because, like, my real when I think about like dermatology and skincare, I always think about my dad who was bald like myself at a very young age, and like later in life, he he kept having to get like spots frozen and removed and like <laughs> and I'm like oh no is that coming for me too <laughs> I even have some things on my when I shave my head I have these couple spots that like I always nick and I'm like I wonder if a dermatologist could <laughs> so anyway you might you might find me in your clinic one of these days since yeah, you're you're welcome to come on it <laughs> since you're right around the corner uh okay so uh talk, oh, talk to me about uh nutrition do you advise anything like I mean is it just kind of like what I would think like if you eat trash garbage food (laughs) it's gonna affect your skin yeah it starts to sound kind of cliche essentially but the truth is you know when i talk about conditions that are very chronic and recurring um like you know rosacea or even um psoriasis potentially these are chronic conditions that are very common in the u.s you know affect millions of people um we do know that you know healthier diets that are not inflammatory probably Mm -hmm. are helpful and can improve your baseline um 
uh, in general. Also, even for conditions like acne that we kind of ascribe usually to teenagers, you know, or even yeah. younger adults, um, some people have this, you know, struggle with acne throughout their entire adult life. And um, food, even like a high glycemic index diet, may actually, you know, in you know, increase the inflammatory issues that are going on in the body and worsen the issue. So it's not that your diet's going to maybe shut down you know, a condition fully, mm-hmm. although there are a few rare dermatology conditions where diet literally triggers the condition. Most gotcha. of them are not that way. Yeah. Um, you know, you do end up getting some counseling, even from a dermatologist, about your diet, and I do it pretty much on a daily basis. Yeah. What about, what's the role of, what am I trying to say? Can stress and anxiety come out on your skin? Sure. And what does that look like? Yeah, I mean, again, another classic example would be psoriasis and even eczema. I hear a lot from patients. These are really chronic, you know, uh, scaly, flaky skin conditions where you get redness in the skin, itching in some cases, um, especially with eczema. Um, Those patients tend to, you know, notice significant flare-ups with either um, emotional stress or actually physical stressors like, you know, um, uh, an illness, things of that sort. Mm -hmm. And you'll actually flare right afterward after a viral or bacterial infection. So we do know that, um, that even just emotional stress alone can activate, aggravate these conditions. So, you know, I've even been known to coach a few patients about, you know, meditating or even, um, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, positive thinking and kind of managing their stress in different ways. It's not really my, typical daily spiel but yeah. honestly it comes up it really does come up and there are studies that show that it can be effective yeah i would imagine there's a little bit of a disconnect someone would be like wait i'm gonna meditate and it's gonna make my skin look better exactly yeah. <laughs> it's more like when you get really upset try meditating instead of staying really upset and that'll probably prevent you from flaring more significantly uh, so yeah it is it's challenging but you know i've had patients who have brought me back amazing you know feedback um more anecdotal stuff obviously but you know to say hey you know i thought about that i went to a group i there are actually are groups out there for meditating and like you know um managing stress Mm -hmm. for psoriasis patients and you know i do think that there is something to be said about you know your outlook on the condition and um uh i think that uh we'd kind of be foolish if we were to assume that you know our mind and body aren't actually pretty connected (laughs) so (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Okay, so little little sidebar. Um, this podcast isn't specifically about massage therapy, but I am a massage therapist, yeah. so I just want to get a little bit of feedback from a pro about what what's my role as someone who works on and sees a lot of skin. What might I look out for? I mean, obviously, I'm never gonna like. I, it, I cringe when I hear stories of like, oh, my massage therapist told me that my other massage therapist told me that this mole is might be pre-cancer. I'm like, no, they can't say that. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. So like <laughs> things like that. But what what is appropriate I mean, for I, me to notice or to to call to their attention? I just worry about calling anything to their attention because it's like a raise their stress and be like, oh no, he thinks it's bad. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a time and place for everything. And I actually do think there is an appropriate, you know, um function for a masseuse, a chiropractor, physical therapist even to mention a lesion of concern, I would really refrain from, you know, diagnostics because the problem well, there yeah. is it could be completely benign and you're going to, yeah, like you said, 
basically ruin that visit and then some if yeah. you tell well, them that it looks beyond, like cancer. beyond my scope it's technically like yeah it's definitely beyond the scope practice, yeah. yeah i mean i do i think i've spoken to some masseuses in the past and some um chiropractors who say that they review some skin things just to kind of be in the know and it's part of their education to a small degree but i do think that it's reasonable to say hey um have you ever had that spot checked out um yeah i mean i don't remember being there or it looks a little unusual in my opinion but you know maybe you should see a dermatologist i think that i mean every masseuse and chiropractor out there probably should have a derm that they know in the community that they can just shift people off to um, if there's a concerning lesion. I mean, that way it's a smooth process. There's a clear referral, you know, uh, practice. And more importantly, the patient isn't going to be freaking out because they have to go seek out a new practitioner out of the blue and not know where to go. Yeah. I think if you have it streamlined for a patient and you really, you know, stay in your zone of like, you know, I'm not sure what this is, but that mole looks unusual to me. Maybe you should see a derm. I think that's appropriate enough. Yeah. Um, I think not saying anything would be kind of like, you know, uh, probably on the other end of the spectrum of like maybe nearly negligent. I think yeah, if you're okay. not mentioning it at all and you're like, that does look really weird, but I'm not going to say anything. Well, you could just say, I have no idea what that is and it yeah. may be nothing, but you should maybe consider seeing a specialist for that. And maybe like keeping an eye on things like, oh, that looks bigger or worse or different than sure. from the previous visit. Yeah. yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. It's not your job to do that. But if you are, you know, observant and you notice something like, Hey, I've seen patient X so many times every two weeks. And, yeah. um, she suddenly has this very strange thing that's bleeding a lot or, you know, a multicolored growth that just doesn't look normal to mm. me. It's okay to just to bring it up. It's not going to, I think, make them, you know, have a panic attack unless you start throwing out diagnostics yes. and things of that sort. Yeah. So, yeah. And typical, I guess not typical, maybe common conditions like psoriasis and what was the other one you keep mentioning? Uh, eczema. eczema. Yeah. I mean, that can work on that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah these are not yeah. contagious conditions. Yeah. I mean, the majority of chronic recurrent skin yeah. conditions are horribly contagious, you know, and it's good to kind of maybe know what they look like too. educate yourself a little bit as a practitioner who does see skin all day as yeah. a masseuse maybe to just say okay this is kind of common this is whatever you know and if the patient has no idea they have it you could say yeah you have a rash in your back you might want to see a dermatologist it doesn't you know just to get a diagnosis again these things are pretty harmless yeah um generally um but you know in the event that the patient actually doesn't know or the event that the patient actually wants to get help you might be assisting them a lot yeah yeah okay so practical skin care <laughs> <laughs> I I got I got nothing here. I shave my head every now and again and I put on some moisturizer. That's about That's it. That's good. Hey, you're putting on moisturizer. That's <laughs> oh, this is on the head or on the face? All of it. Okay, good. That's but it's the same moisturizer. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I think that that's a step above some people, honestly, yeah. or many people, I should say. And I guess the other, the other, you know, like I have two small kids. So, you know, when we go hang out in the sun all day, I do apply generous amounts of um, SPF. So good. that's a kind Super of. Super important. But like, I'm not wearing a daily SPF. So I don't know. So just like, give me that real practical, from your perspective, like, this is the least a responsible, healthy person should do for their skin, morning routine, night routine. Yeah, I mean, overall anti-aging stuff in general isn't necessarily mandatory. It's really the anti-skin cancer stuff that matters the most. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sun avoidance is like, I think, paramount, obviously. Um, we live in Oregon. 
Um, although in my personal opinion, it's climate's changed a lot in the last 20 years here. I grew up in Portland, born and raised, mm-hmm. and we had way more rainy days than we do nowadays mm-hmm. and even in the summers. And so, um, you know, granted clouds don't stop UV exposure. It's just, you know, the time of the year may affect it more, you know. So in the fall and the winter, maybe you don't have to be as you know, hardcore about your sunscreening in say the Northwest, you know, but in the spring and summer, I'd say a daily sunscreen, you know, um, SPF 30 or so, um, built into your moisturizer is an easy way to make sure you're protecting yourself from chronic okay. damage. It doesn't take a lot of effort, frankly, because it can be, like I said, combined with a moisturizer in one, one product. And that's, that's like, that's the morning. You just yeah. get that on, get that on once, I mean, once in the morning and you don't need this, to reapply. Yeah, yeah. If just, you work in an office, if you drive and commute to work and sit, you know, in, in some sort of like, um, office setting, you're really not going to need to reapply throughout the day, frankly. Yeah. It's really those people who have outdoor jobs mm. that have to consider, um, you know, reapplying every couple of hours because of the fact that you're going to wear out some of that sunscreen actively. Another important thing to remember for a lot of patients and people listening just overall is that um, sunscreen needs to absorb. So if you put it on and walk right outside, you're not getting a lot of protection. Gotcha. Like give it about 20, 30 minutes to really absorb to the skin to do the job it needs to do. Okay. Yeah. Would you shout out any specific brand and that like a consumer yeah there things I mean, to look for like well there's actually a great study that was done in consumer reports about sunscreens and the spf um and what that really means and um there's two things to say on that front so first off um the recommended or the tested dose i should say uh, for sunscreens is two grams applied per centimeter squared Okay. And no one applies that much to their skin at all, even close. So <laughs> I have a lot of people I've met through meetings and lectures throughout the years. And they'll say, Doc, I use SPF 50 and I burn anyway. And I think, well, I'm not sure what brand it was. Number one. Number two, you know, it may be that you didn't apply it frequently enough or enough, period. You know, you didn't put ah. enough on. And so that's the kind of the, the t- tough part for patients. They'll say, sunscreen doesn't work for me, blah, blah, blah. And I say, well, I don't know what you're using and I don't know how you're using it. Yeah, those numbers don't make sense in my head. Is it? Does it seem like a lot when, when you do lot. it when you do I it mean, the like right a way? Dollop, like, yeah, a dollop of sunscreen um, isn't going to be enough for your leg, frankly. You know, you need to do like multiple dollops for the leg and gotcha. you have to let that sit there for half an hour. So if you go to the beach, for instance, and you have a beach trip, right? Yeah. This is not the same as like a daily preventative skincare routine. This is like you're going to the beach, you're going to be in the sun. I plan on being in the ocean with my kids, like in your case. Yeah. Um, you're going to have to probably go through a bottle of sunscreen easily for the weekend. And okay. most people have a bottle of sunscreen for a couple of years. <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> because they don't advertise that way saying you should use this much. I, I don't know if that, no one wants to be the first person to say you need to use a lot of this because then people think it doesn't work maybe, you know, compared to everybody else. Right. But somebody needs to start the, the pattern of like, listen, they'll sell more sunscreen, but, um, and they'll also be getting patients who actually get better results or, you know, less burns, you know? And so it's important to just really be very generous with the sunscreen bottle and, you know, think two grams per centimeter squared. I mean, we're not very like, you know, um, thoughtful when we think about these numbers like what does that even mean exactly yeah. just think you know a large you know um dollop you know a quarter a, a dime size and more just for like little areas like your hand and you know wrist that would be at least what you need so you're going to yeah. go through a bottle very very quickly um your typical over-the-counter bottle yeah and there are brands like i said on that consumer reports study they did a couple years ago they showed that a lot of these and not to scare people, not scare you, but you know, <laughs> a lot of the brands they advertise SPF and it's not actually correct when they were ah. tested. And that's pretty, I think, scary. Yeah. Um, one brand that um I think passed a test in some of the categories 
pretty nicely was La Roche Posay. Okay. Um, and they have different like kind of a line of sunscreens that are found in supermarkets and in like, you know, La Roche a, yeah, a Walgreens or a Rite Aid. Oh, okay. And, um, you know, there's sounds fancy, but maybe, it sounds maybe fancy. not that expensive. It's European, yeah. I think, based company, okay. but they um, do sell in the US and they're more expensive than your typical sunscreens. Yeah. But it's, you know, I won't name the names of the company that didn't do as well. Fair. I don't really okay. want to go there. But a lot of the brands that we see on commercials and the brands that everyone just sees at the store that are more affordable and well known you think are pretty darn good even kids versions had really poor testing mm. so it goes to show that doing research on the sunscreens or talking to your dermatologist about that can make a huge difference we have our own line at my clinic um that's formulated particularly for people who have sensitive skin types so they don't break out i see a lot of patients will say oh i don't wear a sunscreen it's goopy it's heavy it's oily but i mean there are plenty of options out there yeah but you really want to ask a professional which way to go because if you're spending money on a sunscreen and it's giving you, you know, one fra fraction of what they advertise, it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty disappointing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Is there any brands to look out for, for that daily moisturizer with SPF in it? Yeah. And one good brand is CeraVe. CeraVe they, they've been okay. around for a long time. They have an invisible zinc line that is a physical quote unquote, we're not supposed to say physical anymore, but it's a, you know, a, um, uh, a physical blocker, I guess we can't say physical, but we're not supposed to say sun sunblock anymore, I oh. suppose. Um, but it's, you know, certain chemicals will absorb into your skin and protect you, and certain um, ingredients will actually sit on the skin. Popularly, that's zinc and titanium. And now they have micronized versions that rub in a little bit better, so they're not as white and pasty. So the mm. CeraVe line is easy to find. It's not terribly expensive. Um, but again, some of the ingredients and preservatives and even in that line can be aggravating to some patients. So it really is an individual um, experience to find a yeah. sunscreen. You can tolerate one, and two, you want to wear daily, and three, that you're not irritated by. And hope that works for myself and my kids, so I yeah. don't have to buy a different one for all of us. Yeah, and the, the kids <laughs> ones, a lot of them are geared toward, you know, um, maybe infants and babies that are, you know, safe, you know, uh, I think ingredient profiles, oh, but I, I think for the most part, you know, kids above probably four or five can probably use anything that adults are using. You know, I think if you're dealing with a one or two year old, like a toddler or, you know, someone younger, maybe consider doing a kid's version of the product. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so I, I wake up, I get this SPF moisturizer on my morning. I'm good. You're good. I mean, good. for the most part, yeah, office, you work in an office, you work at like most Americans now, do at home right now. <laughs> and so you're not going out a lot. That's probably sufficient. Okay. So, and, and, and I don't have to worry, like, I assume like there must be some benefit to moisturizing my entire self, yes, right? Yes. yes. So for daily routine stuff, not yeah. preventative stuff for skin cancer, we do, I mean, every individual needs to be moisturizing their skin. We use a lot of harsh soaps, like culturally, we're yeah. kind of taught, you know, zestfully clean, lots of suds. And that's what we think is, you know, healthy. Mm -hmm. Well, it rips out a lot of your natural oils, unfortunately. So uh, some of the harsher sulfates and soaps, you know, think about it. Like if you wash your dishes, you need dishwashing soap that really foams, right? Yeah. And if you wash your car, it gets the dirt off. Yep. Yeah. Well, on our skin, we really don't need to be that aggressive, frankly. So oh. we don't have to have a foaming wash. And if we do, it's fine as long as, you know, it's not too harsh on our skin type. And, you know, most people aren't going to change their body wash or they don't think it's worth it or they're to something they like something but you will dry out as you age so you need to moisturize daily after every shower okay um, and that's or bath and that's something that most people just don't do to just what you can reach i assume or are you asking someone to like yeah i mean what you can reach and, matters yeah. i mean i don't know if you have to moisturize your entire back yeah um to live a good life with healthy skin but yeah. you know i think considering it as a place that you know you might want to hit 
once in a while. Um, itchy dry backs happen a lot and yeah. it's hard to reach and it's annoying, you know? So yeah. if you, if you're moisturizing throughout the years, it can make a huge difference. And I, you know, really moisturizers, I'm not so fussy on those. There are great products out there. Some of the brands I love that we, you know, tend to recommend in our clinic that are easy to find include like Eucerin, um, and even, um, Gold Bond's an easy one to find that's not terribly expensive. And they have formulations that are nice. They help hydrate your skin. And they also lock in some of the components that are kind of scientifically engineered to keep moisture in your skin. Because a lot of us just dry out after showering. Yeah. So we, we would have one sort of body moisturizer and maybe a special one with SPF for our exactly. face exactly. and, he, in my case, exactly. my head. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. Head and ears. Yeah. <laughs> head and ears. So what's the evening, from your perspective, the evening routine look like? So the routine in the evening is, you know, just kind of cleaning, essentially. These days, everyone's wearing masks. Right. And everyone's getting maskne. That's the new term. Oh, uh, they're breaking that's out the first I've heard that. Jawline. They're breaking on their chin. They're breaking out, like, on their cheeks. It's, like, prolific right now, essentially. Wow. We have so many patients complaining of it. There's a lot of people talking about it. And I think that, you know, realistically... One great thing to do, even if you didn't have masks on all day during COVID, is to just, you know, do a simple facial wash in the evening before bed and then hydrate your skin. And that's, you know, really for anti-aging benefits as well. So it's getting all the dirt, pollution, and crud off your skin and then hydrating it with a nice moisturizer that might have some ingredients that actually replenish your skin and then some and then helps prevent the aging process um, over time. A different moisturizer than you would put on in the morning. Yeah, you don't something need sunscreen at night. Something a little more nourishing. Yeah, nourishing, yeah. maybe heavier. Um, something that just is going to give you a benefit throughout the evening um, to kind of uh, fix some of those damaged, you know, sun damaged cells. Because even if you're wearing sunscreen, something's going to get through. Yeah. You want to kind of replenish that damage because over time your skin will thin from all the chronic damage. You want to mm -hmm. kind of like Keep it protected. Yeah. So, okay, shout something out. What what should I be washing my face with? And what should I be moisturizing at night with? Um, well, I'm a little biased because, okay. again, we have our own skincare line yeah. in our clinic. I, I didn't so know that. I love the this. The Dermatology by Design skincare line is excellent. And people can get that anywhere. Yeah, they can get it online or they can get it in the clinic. Oh, neat. Yeah, it's not in stores okay. right now. Obviously, um, we're a small business. However, you know, our, our plan one day is to have a full line, you know, really, really um, available throughout the country. Um, but right now we actually, um, you know, carry a good line of products that are kind of made particularly for a dermatology patient who comes in with skin problems, mm -hmm. with issues, with sensitivities. We are gluten-free, paraben-free, propylene glycol-free, all the preservatives, you know, mostly formaldehyde-free. These things that you see in the store and all the big name products that lets them sit on the shelf for three or four years Thanks. before you buy or sit in the factory or yeah. in a storage unit or whatever have you shipping. Um, our products have a shorter shelf life, but they're going to be sold quickly and to the consumer directly. So, um, you know, no perfumes, no colors, and all these things that can aggravate and irritate skin. We have lines that are specific for acne prone skin, for dry skin, for anti-aging. So those of course are kind of like, um, you know, uh, sold, per patient based on their needs and yeah. essentially their concerns. But, you know, brand wise, it is insane out there. There are so many brands yeah. and so many products and so many things. If you go to Sephora and, you know, online, it's endless. Amazon. I mean, there's so many claims. And let's just say that the claims too good to be true. Don't buy it. Mm. And instead of recommending a particular brand, what I tell patients is if it's too expensive and it promises way too much, please don't buy it. It yeah. probably isn't going to be giving you all these magical, you know, revolutionary changes because otherwise everyone would be using it, right? Yeah. Um, and if it's 
really cheap. If it's five bucks, 10 bucks, and you know, it's sitting on the shelf at a very generic store, you might guess that it's not gonna be the highest quality ingredient profile truly because you have to pay a little bit for high quality ingredients. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the mid-range products, if you're spending 20 bucks on a sunscreen, 20 to 30 bucks on a moisturizer, or even up to $50, I'd say. If you're spending 150 bucks, $300 on specialized eye creams and moisturizers, you know, you probably need to wonder why it's so expensive okay. what you're paying for. Yeah. All right, that's good things to think about. Yeah. I'm like, I, I had a, a friend who was an esthetician and one time I was like, you know, I gotta take better care of my skin. So she looked at my skin, she's like, all right, here, try these things. And I looked them up and I was like, this three ounce bottle is ninety dollars. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to take care of my skin. Gets, Never mind. It gets, it gets, it gets expensive, <laughs> yeah. you know. But there are, like I said, mid range, fifty, sixty bucks for a really good evening moisturizer is actually a really good price if you think about it. If it lasts two or three months, talking about like you know a dollar fifty cents a day to take yeah. care of your skin long term. Right. And you know there are plenty of studies and plenty of proof that show that like the prevention is huge for skin and and moisturizing and managing. So, you know, spending a few bucks a day or a and much bucks. less expensive than, oh, than the interventions. The yeah. yeah and Having repair. to do all the, you know, extra laser treatments and all the chemical peels to fix damage is much more costly in the long run. So yes, you can fix things and there are lots of wonderful things in the dermatology world to manage and fix and um, rejuvenate skin. Um, but you know, prevention is the biggest part probably and That'll determine how you look on a daily basis. Anything to look out for in um, what soap I want to use on my body and um, on my face and, in my case, head. Yeah, I mean, for soaps, I would say I try to steer clear um, from heavy sulfates. So, you know, lauryl sulfate and things of that sort. Things okay. that foam very heavily. Okay. If you ever wash your body, and everyone's had this experience where they wash themselves with soap and they felt tight afterward. Yes. Like their skin is so clean. They're like, oh, it's like, you know, I'm so... I clean. I, I'm That's embarrassed exactly to admit I kind of like that squeaky. Some people clean. like that, but it's actually really, really bad, bad because okay. you've pulled out all the sebum, the natural oils from your skin, yeah. and then some. You're stripping your epidermis, the top layer of your skin, and you're causing a lot of irritation, essentially. Okay. That can lead eventually to chronic disorders like dry skin, which we call cirrhosis, and then even exacerbating people who are predisposed for eczema and getting them to flare up earlier in life. So it really, those heavy soap things we're trained to expect to think they're good for you yeah. are probably more problematic than they are helpful. Okay. Unless you went through the mud. I mean, like, yeah, if you went camping or, you know, you went to, on a, you know, big race and you had mud pits to jump into, yeah. Yeah, use your soap then that day. But okay. on the other days, a gentle non-foaming cleanser or a cleanser that is well-balanced with, like, you know, ingredients that actually humidify the skin, those are probably going to help you um, prematurely, from prematurely aging your, to your skin yeah. overall. Yeah. And is that necessarily going to be a, a, a liquid or a bar? Can you find what you want yeah. in both forms? There are good soaps that are bar soaps. Okay. Um, it doesn't have to be liquid. And I'd venture to say some of the liquids are even worse with their yeah. perfumes and their kind of harsh soaps. And again, I won't, I won't name names, but yeah. you know, but there are good brands out there. I think the classic one people can think about for like a very gentle cleanser is Cetaphil. Okay. Um, and Cetaphil has been around forever. It's a non-foaming product that okay. cleans your skin. It's more pH balanced to match your skin. And it's tough to sell on patients though, who are like you, maybe like the sudsy clean feel because you're not going to get that sudsy experience. You wonder, yeah. am I even clean? But you're definitely clean. You don't need all those, you know, aggressive bubbles yeah. to, to do the job. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to adjust my personal <laughs> expectations a little bit. Okay. These are all good things though. What about exfoliation? Is that something to, is that a regular thing? Is that an occasional thing? 
I think people tend to like overdo the exfoliation thing or think they have to do it so often, you know? I mean, there's probably some value of exfoliating some dull cells on the skin of the face and even the body, but probably say more than once a week, it's probably more than you need, frankly. Okay. Um, Once you have like a stubbornly, really, you know, area like your elbows, your knees, or your feet are just really dry and thick and callous, you know, I don't see a lot of value in constantly exfoliating. Um, your face exfoliates naturally pretty well, and there are skincare yeah. products you can use that can do you know chemical exfoliation for you mm. um, and exfoliate you know at a molecular level without being as harsh and damaging the tissue. Yeah. Um, I'd say face be extra careful with exfoliation, and then I'd say with body, <clears throat> you know, once in a while using like a um, a gentle brush is nice in the shower. You get those suds everywhere and clean yourself. As opposed to buying something with like a sugar scrub or a salt scrub. Yeah, in I mean, it. those those can feel nice because they have nice oils sometimes that yeah. feel good. But I mean, I don't think that's necessary very often. I mean, okay. like I said, once a week might just be like a literally an invigorating experience just for you because it feels nice. Yeah. But if your skin needs it, I mean, that's really, there's it's totally a personal preference. There's no need to do all these yeah. heavy exfoliating products. Okay. Yeah. So, and, um, I guess regular daily skincare doesn't sound as daunting as I imagined it would be. Yeah, I mean, and we're, this is really baseline, I'll admit. But yeah. I mean, you know, a sunscreen in the morning and a gentle face wash in the morning and the evening, followed by a moisturizer in the evening. I mean, it's really simple for yeah. the average person. Um, guys are going to be probably a little bit less locked in in general. I hate to be specific about sexes, but, you know. Some men are better. Most men are not so great about the skincare regimen, you know, compared to women. Sure. But the ladies are used to that because a lot of the times they'll be experienced with makeup and taking off makeup and they know what it is to do a morning and evening routine. Yeah. It's easier to sell to women the plan for prevention and management. But yeah. for guys, it's a little bit more challenging. But there definitely are things that the average person can do, like I said, the sunscreen and the moisturizer yeah. in the evening that are not that much work. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to think about my dad. Is his head looked like a crater by the time he was in his 70s. Yeah. Think about the person like, you saw down the street who definitely wasn't taking care of their skin. Yeah. Go to Miami Beach sometime, see some of those sunbathers, and you can really understand why protection and prevention is yeah. huge. Oh, uh, speaking of sunbathers, um, tanning as a practice, is mm-hmm. that a big no-no in your, from your perspective? Yes, absolutely not uh, at all necessary. Yeah. Yeah. No one should be tanning. It's, you know, essentially it's passe. And I mean, it's the idea of tanning is, 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 you know, mostly it's obsolete. I mean, there's no value except for, um, if you'd like to damage your skin prematurely, gotcha. then you can go tan yeah. and then put yourself at risk for skin cancer. When I've talked to people who go tanning, they, they speak about it in a way like someone who s- smokes cigarettes. Like they're like, they're like, I know I shouldn't do this but I kind of love it, you know? And they, like, yeah, I mean, I haven't heard that, but that's interesting yeah. to hear. I mean, they're probably not coming into a dermatologist to say no, that. I, so. No, 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 they wouldn't say it to you. Um, no. I have patients coming after a burn and they're embarrassed, but sun, sun, or I should say, you know, tanning bed users particularly. Some yeah. people do outdoor tan, same idea. Um, the idea of it, you know, feeling nice is real. I mean, the UV exposure probably can lift mood to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, some patients think they look better with a little color on those sure but there's some amazing self tanners out there Mm -hmm. spray tans out there that are really really natural looking i'm not kidding my sister's an esthetician and she does them all the time you know for for her clients and you can look really great and not get um a real quote-unquote suntan from the sun or a tanning bed um what you're going to get from a tanning bed and outdoor sun exposure is premature skin cancer and premature sun damage over time and um, there's really no benefit. There's no benefit to going to Mexico and doing a pre-tan. That's all hocus pocus. 
Okay. What you should do is go to Mexico and bring extra sunscreen yeah. <laughs> and, and keep your hat on and yep. stay out of the sun as much as you can. It doesn't sound exciting, but you will burn if you go to Mexico, um, no matter what you do, because Mexico yeah. is close to the equator compared to Portland, Oregon. And, yep. you know, no one's going to be putting on enough sunscreen. So unless you're olive skin and you're very lucky and you tan really well, you're probably going to burn. Mm-hmm. But the burn or the tan, it's all damage. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, what else do I want? Oh, um, what about like masks? Can I occasionally do one of those? What's that doing? Yeah, for masks me? are great. I mean, it just looks like I like that ritual of it. it looks yeah. fun. Yeah, I mean, those you could do, you know, probably once a week or so. They're wonderful. Um, we actually sell a great uh, clay mask. Okay. And cowling clay specifically. And clay masks can actually pull out little impurities from your pores. Um, our mask is so awesome. I used it, I remember the, the first time, and you actually could see all the kind of pores opening through the mask itself. Oh, wow. And when I rinsed off my face, it was just like, my skin was so clean and clear. It was shockingly impressive. I want that. Like, yeah. What's, you, this it's, is one you make? This is one we sell, yeah. That yeah, you, that you make or you, mm-hmm. you sell? Yeah, that we sell you in our clinic. Yeah. We, we don't formulate these products ourselves, yeah. but we work with a manufacturer who formulates them. Oh, cool. And um, But that's got that's got your name on it. Exactly. Dermatology okay. by Design. The idea behind clay is that, of course, it's going to help pull out these you know oils and impurities. Um, ours actually has sulfur in it as well, which is anti-acne fighting. Um, it's kind of redundant, but anti-acne essentially. And so um, patients who have normal skin types love it and patients who have acne love it because it does help pull out those excess oils, preventing acne flare-ups. Um, it's one of our most popular products. Um, and masks just overall are great. I mean, there are different ones out there. The clay in general family will be more drying initially for the skin. It'll feel a little bit drying, but the skin will look amazing. Um, you can hydrate right after the mask. Um, mm-hmm. and then there are moisturizing masks, quote unquote, um, that can be helpful, um, richer creams, but I'd say, eh, if you do a moisturizing mask, you might as well consider a chemical peel, which brings a lot of humectants to this to the skin, or you can consider like, um, Using a heavy night moisturizer. Okay. Stuff. Yeah. So that I was just about to ask what's so we we kind of talked about like the bare bones basic routine of taking better care of your skin. And I was gonna ask about like, let's level it up. Let's assume someone has that dialed. Yeah. And they want to go like next level. It sounds like a mask might be one of those level up. Is there anything for sure? Is there anything else you would would shout out as a level up sort of yeah, thing? Yeah, the level up that there's probably two pieces to that. One would be a toner. And one would be a retinoid. So what toners do is they help balance the pH of your skin after you've kind of used a soap that might damage and disrupt that natural pH um, level. Um, It helps you absorb moisturizer better as well. Mm. And they also have emollient, not emollient, sorry, um, you know, uh, specific ingredients in them as well that are calming for the skin, antioxidant type ingredient products. Our toner, for instance, um, uh, has sage in it. It has... um, other extracts like uh, calendula and um, aloe that are calming and cucumber. So those kinds of ingredients are really nice and um, kind of settle the skin, calm it down from mm-hmm. inflammation and irritation. And then you follow up with your moisturizer. In the evening, you can do that as well after you wash um, before you apply moisturizer to help that moisturizer absorb more effectively into the mm-hmm. skin. Um, but one other ingredient that we like to recommend for evening time is a retinoid. What okay. retinoids do um, are, well, they have a complex, frankly, uh, functions. Sure. But one thing is essentially anti-aging. Over time, it actually uh, strengthens and thickens your collagen. So even though it's going to take years of use to have a long-term effect, um, you know, it's one thing that I recommend for anyone who's actually interested in long-term skin care. Mm-hmm. If you're using a retinoid, you're putting that extra effort into kind of repairing damage from the past and strengthening your skin long-term. Mm. And it'll be extremely beneficial 
10, 20, 30 years down the road. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right, we leveled it up. Yeah, that's the next level. <laughs> yeah, retinoid. I just yeah. like that word. Yeah, the, the the trade name or the generic trade names would be like tretinol. Okay. Or um, Oh, retinoid's a brand? Retinoids are just a class oh, of I drugs. See. Yeah, and uh, a tretinol is kind of more of a generic term that you see in ingredient profiles, like um, tretinol serums, tretinol creams, things of that sort, um, tretinoin. Um, so you actually... Uh, complex drug that's used for acne as well for different in different ways okay so but in this way it actually is useful for um, anti-aging benefits um, it also exfoliates the skin to a degree improves pigmentary issues um, texture of the skin so a lot of um, the things that you we just when we look at skin that doesn't look good yeah and there's what we know is like that doesn't look so healthy it helps prevent those things from happening frankly yeah yeah what's your take on like well, people use lasers to to have their hair stop growing on parts of their body. Is that is that bad? Nothing's wrong with that. Oh, okay. Common, That's a thing. Yeah. Common, common, common. A lot of patients want their legs not to grow ever. You know, females yeah. particularly. Um, women and men sometimes want their armpits not to grow back. There is some facial hair. Some guys hate it on their neck. Yeah. A lot of women hate it on their chin <laughs> yeah. of a certain age. Oh, all ages, women deal with kind of frustrating facial hair issues. Mm. And, um, you know, back hair for men. Sure. So there's lots of function for hair removal, and it's extremely popular still. And safe to do. and Very safe yeah. to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe a little bit of a snap, snap, rubber band <laughs> feeling. It's not the most comfortable thing in the world. Well, it's got to be more. I mean, I've never, had, I've never had any of this done, but I'm yeah. assuming like waxing every so often is probably. That's not a, funny there. Yeah. yeah. Shaving's annoying. So, I mean, hair removal, which can be permanent if done properly on the right skin types. Yeah. A lot of times we call it reduction because eventually the hair will come back maybe years down the road. Mm. Um, in most cases, um, if you're very, very fair, have very dark hair because of the physics of the system yeah um the better off you are with removal more permanently okay blonde hair is hard to treat but there's still a kind of laser or a specific type of laser for every kind of skin and hair type yeah. that can still do a pretty good job interesting yeah well i'm gonna just keep shaving my head for now but <laughs> maybe someday i'll get a laser head and then i won't have to anymore <laughs> that'd be my first <laughs> So, uh, oh, another little side note as it pertains to my massage therapy life. Sometimes, I, so I use a, a an organic jojoba oil. Which I don't know if you have an opinion about that. I hope you don't because I use it a lot. <laughs> not, not a particularly negative. Opinion, okay, good. So. <laughs> That's just what I use when I work with clients. Some people like a little goes a long way, and sometimes a lot just seems to just get just absorbed instantly. Tell me what's going on there. It's hard to say, honestly. Yeah. It could depend on the properties of the actual oil that you have or the person that you're doing, obviously the person you're doing the massage on. I always on. think like, oh, this person has really hungry skin. They may. They yeah. may be super dry, more absorbent skin, depending oh, okay. on the location too, maybe. Um, but everyone's gonna, you're going to find that everyone's very different. The properties of their skin is going to vary based on their genetic makeup, you know? And so a uh, patient with eczema is going to have, you know, missing links in their skin, for instance. And so they're going to dry out much easier and they're going to need more moisturizer to replenish lost, you know, um, moisturizer from our natural sebum and in our natural um, what we call NMF or moisturizing factor in our skin okay. that gets depleted as we age from sun damage. And then like if you have a risk for eczema on dry skin. So you're probably going to see more of a specific to the patient themselves change. Yeah. Um, and that's probably going to be consistent throughout their whole body, frankly. Okay. Yeah. Well, we got practical skincare. We got <laughs> daily routine. We got leveled up. I learned many things I didn't know before. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, happy to chat. This was awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think the most important thing to remember is that um, 
every patient is completely an individual. It's hard to kind of generalize even skincare line and products, you know, with all the patients that are out there. Um, but it's good to maybe, you know, talk to a dermatologist, see a specialist and find out if you're doing the right thing for your skin. Yeah. Well, I always think like, I look at the products every now and again, I think like, okay, I got to take better care of my skin. And I go look at the aisle and it says like for sensitive skin, for extra dry skin, for normal skin. And I'm like, I don't know what kind of skin I have. It's a lot. It's just skin. There's so many. And then I get overwhelmed and I leave. (laughs) That's, you're probably more like, I mean, most people are in your boat. They're overwhelmed by the offerings online and in stores. I mean, I even go down and this is for real. I'll go to Target and I'll look at I'll be like refilling like my toothpaste. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'll go by the skincare aisle and I'll think, oh, what's all the, what are all these brands? I'm a dermatologist and I can't keep up with all the things that are out there. And it's a lot of information, but I'd say go simple first before going complex. Mm -hmm. And if that's still intimidating, then see your specialist, see your dermatologist and find out what you need to do. I'm more inclined to like get like, just to go see someone and say like, you know what? You have sensitive skin. These are the types of things you should look for yeah. in a product. I think that's really helpful for yeah. the average person because then it's like a lifelong kind of um, management plan, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, if uh, you're listening to this and you're in Portland, Oregon, I, I uh, know where you should go find a dermatologist. <laughs> if you're outside of the city, it's it sounds like you have some interesting products that people could find on your website. Yeah, you can definitely find us on Instagram for our sales for our skincare line. Obviously, our website, dermatologybydesign.com, um, shows kind of our skincare line as well and are all of our offerings from medical to cosmetic in the clinic itself. And if people want to dive super deep, there's a podcast in the works. Yes. Not out there yet, but it's going to be like, <laughs> it's going to go like all, down all these skincare rabbit holes, yeah, I assume. We're going to be going down probably every single topic of skin you can imagine and then some. So Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Looking forward to that. Thank well, you. thanks for being here. Thank you so much. Thanks to Dr. Omar Qutub for joining me on the podcast today. I really hope you got a lot out of that. I certainly know that I did. There is so much I need to start doing to take better care of my skin, but at least now I know where to begin. You can find links to everything we mentioned in the show notes. If you are ready to accept the self-care mission for your own self, please consider subscribing to this podcast and signing up for the newsletter. You can find everything you need at theselfcaremission.com or on Instagram at theselfcaremission. I would love to hear what you are focused on right now to take better care of yourself or any questions or ideas about future topics and episodes. You can email me at nick at theselfcaremission.com. Please take care of yourself.